is the first miracle of Jesus. All right, we, we know Jesus. Uh, I think a lot of people have really kind of taken this story and they've missed a lot of the story because they focused on the issue of alcohol. What kind of, what kind of booze did Jesus make? Was it alcoholic? Was it non-alcoholic? And so we've made this debate and built this theology around this story, which that is not even what the story's about. Are you with me? The, the story is about Jesus revealing his glory for the first time. So Jesus is starting his ministry, and where does he show up? He shows up at a wedding, and weddings were different. You know, I, I grew up in West Texas, and in West Texas, w- weddings weren't really parties. Like, you kind of went to the wedding, and then afterwards, you went, you, you went to the back, and you had some cake and a little punch, and you said hello, goodbye, and you left. But a, a, f- a few years ago, or probably about a decade ago, I went to a wedding that was like, a party. It is like, so you had the ceremony and then afterwards everybody was like partying, right? They were like dancing and they were like eating like ribeye. And I mean, it was, it was a, the jam, right? A lot better than what I had experienced previously. And so uh, that, how many know that that's a little bit more uh, scriptural, if you will, to have a wedding that's a big party, that they're celebrating this love between these people. So Jesus does his first miracle at a party, Come on, are you with me? Because Jesus likes to party. That's the reason why Jesus did his first miracle. He's saying, guys, let me just be real clear before I do anything else. I like to party. All right? So Jesus shows up at this scene where all these people are, and the party's about to end because they ran out of booze. And Jesus is like, I'm not ready for the party to be over. Right? So what did he do? Jesus continued the party. Now, there's a lot here. We're going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. All right, John chapter 2, verse 1. Now, we're going to read a lot of Scripture today, okay? So you guys just bear with me. There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivals. Uh Uh-oh. Come on. That's like running out of steak at the all-you-can-eat steak buffet, right? And so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. And then Jesus says this to his mom, Mary, dear woman, that's not our problem. Now, one of the, one of the translations, I like what it says, it says, what have I to do with thee, woman? So sometimes I'll tell that to Leslie. She'll say something, I'll say, woman. Dear woman, what have I to do with thee? And so that's kind of funny that Jesus said that. I don't know what his tone was, but it's pretty funny the way that we've uh, translated. Dear woman, that's not our problem. What are you telling me for? And Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, get this. Jesus is saying, my time has not yet come. But because his mom was willing to provoke him a little bit, she made the time come. Come on, are you with me? So that tells me that a lot of the demonstration of God is not really contingent upon his timing, but upon our willingness to go to him and ask for it. So we can actually, and I don't think that we need to live this way, but I think there's moments to where we can speed God's timing up. I mean, because that messes my theology. Jesus is like, it's not my time. And she's like, hey, go ahead and get the water ready. Right? Okay. It's always, he was obedient. That's right. Now he's, all right. So his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing, by, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. 
So you're looking at 120 to 180 gallons that these uh, jugs could hold, these ceremonial jugs could, could hold. So Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. That took a lot of time because they were getting probably like a gallon of a time out of a well somewhere. And so when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. And so the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, his servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. So here's the guy that's like running the party, right? The DJ. <laughs> right? He's got the microphone. That makes him in charge. And so he's, he's there, and he's like, uh, they bring in the wine, and he tastes it. And he says, okay, send the groom over here. And so the groom comes over, and he, and he says this. A host always serves the best wine first. Then when everybody has a lot to drink, they bring out the cheap stuff, brings out the less expensive wine, right? Everybody's already drunk. They're boozed. So they won't know the difference, right? So let's give them the cheap wine at the end. But you have kept the best until now. Now, it's interesting that he's saying this to the bridegroom, who Jesus is the bridegroom. And for... 4,000 years, there was a wine, but then Jesus was bringing a new kind of wine. The bridegroom was bringing the best wine for now. Are you with me at this wedding? Now, I believe that this scripture is literal, but I also believe that like all scripture, it's literal and it's also prophetic, right? It has a power on it to not just be a history book, but to reveal to us something prophetic to reveal to us something powerful and life-transforming. Are you with me? Not like you read your history and study history at school, but something that actually has power on it. So this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now listen, we often cheapen the story by focusing on whether or not this was alcoholic and listen, I'll, I'll just be real honest with you. There is good arguments on both sides of this scenario. And you say, no, 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 there's not. I can, I can get you people that I know very well personally that can debate this, and they will not come up with an answer on whether the alcohol was alcoholic or, or whether it wasn't. All right? So I'm, I'm going to talk about wine today, but we're not talking about the kind of wine that we're associated with. We're talking about a new kind of wine. Are you with me? A different kind of wine. There was the old wine, and then there's the new wine. There's the expensive wine, and then there's the real expensive wine. Are you with me? They had already had a good wine, but they were about to get a better wine. Are you with me? And so... Listen, Leslie and I, we are teetotalers. We don't, you know, if there is grape juice that's old in the fridge, we throw it out. We are teetotalers. We don't drink a drop. We do that because of personal conviction. We believe that that's a, a point of separation for us. And so I believe that the, the conversation about the consumption of alcohol is best fit in one-on-one -on -one conversation. So we're not going to talk about booze today and whether it's okay or not. We're going to talk about the new wine, which I believe is the emphasis of this story. Are you with me? 
So it's not really, this story isn't about alcohol. It's about Jesus revealing his glory. And so we've cheapened it, and we said, well, is it, was it fermented? Was it not fermented? Well, the Greek is this word, which also means this and this and this. Break it down, break it down. And everybody's just been doing this for millennia, literally. What kind of wine? Who cares? It wasn't about wine. It was about Jesus and what he does with old things and what he does from water making it something that isn't living, that's just there to something that functions. Did you know that there's, there's, there's kind of a living thing inside of grape juice? I don't know that it's living. That's probably the wrong vernacular. But there's something about grape juice that it expands and ferments after time. There's something in it, and it's DNA, if you will. I don't know what to call it. Some of you all a lot smarter than me could figure that out. But something about wine that it changes. Well, water doesn't do that, Right? Unless it gets exposed to something. Well, so Jesus got water and turned it into wine. Something that was there to something that is living. Something that was existing to something that will expand. Something that will just refresh you to something that will inebriate you. So, Jesus brings the wine. And the Holy Spirit is the new wine that Jesus brought. And Jesus does this all the time through miracles. He does things. He fed 1,000 people, right, 5,000 people. And what is that telling us? That Jesus is the bread of life, right? Jesus raises Lazarus. What is, what is the prophetic statement of Lazarus? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus brings the new wine, the spirit. Jesus brought the best until now. Although God was doing things on the earth, Jesus was bringing the best. The bridegroom was bringing the best at that moment. What was he bringing? The Holy Spirit. So we see... The first miracle of Jesus has to do with wine. The first miracle of the church filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with wine. Check it out. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Some, however, now you guys know the story, right? We talked about this during this series. The disciples, Jesus went. He said, stay, pray, ask, ask for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And they go, and they're praying, and the Holy Spirit hits them. They start speaking in tongues, and then they go outside. It's like 9 in the morning, Right? And they're speaking in tongues, and they're speaking to people in their own language. And people are just like, what is going on here? Peter, Peter stands up, and he preaches. And this is what it says. Some, however, made fun of them. They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all you who live. It's interesting. That I, I, I like this where it says Peter stood up. And, it, and address the crowd. Loudly, Peter did this. I, I love it when Jesus says that whenever he, he talks about uh, rivers of living water will flow out of you. It says that Jesus stood up and declared that loudly. And so it's interesting that the Holy Spirit puts a boldness on us when we're going to talk about the Spirit to speak with authority. Are you with me? And he says, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. Now, it didn't say they're not drunk, period. He said they're not drunk like you think they're drunk. Right? They're not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. I mean, who gets drunk at 9 in the morning? Well, I know some of those guys too. But he was like, who would do that? No, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. Then it goes into Joel chapter 2, verse 28, starts talking about when the Spirit of God falls on the earth and people prophesy and all these kind of things. He said, this is what is happening. They are experiencing the new wine. 
The, the word that these guys used when they said they have had too much wine, some translations say new wine, uh, other translations says good wine, but the word, the word there is glucose, which is a highly inebriated, strong fermented wine. So when they said too much wine, they're, they're saying they drank really potent wine. It's kind of like what we would call whiskey, right? They've been drinking bourbon, dark bourbon whiskey. These guys are straight up drunks. And Peter's like, whoa, relax. <laughs> right? They're not drunk as you suppose. Now, why wine? I mean, come on. This is, Jesus, don't you know that this is such a controversial s- subject? Wine? I mean, really? Can you just make it a little bit more convenient for us? Can you give us something, you know, just can we just stay with the oil thing? I mean, that works really well. But wine? Come on. I mean, you know, I don't really know that I want to go there. Why wine? Well, because first of all, wine speaks of influence. Wine speaks of influence. When you drink wine, you get influenced, right? It influences your judgment. You move everything, you and everything else moves a little bit slower when you've had too much wine. Wine influences you. You might be able to have a little bit of wine. Or the not strong wine and it not influence you too much. Or you can have that good wine, that glucose, that whiskey wine that will influence you heavily. That word actually is highly inebriating. They thought they were highly inebriated. So when we talk about influence, we're talking about being intoxicated by the Spirit. What happens when someone is intoxicated? They start functioning differently, right? Most people slower. I've seen people before. It doesn't affect them that way. It speeds everything up. It's weird. It's not supposed to work that way, I don't think. I've been so away from that scene for so long. But it introduces us to a different reality when we're under the influence of wine. So how much more, when we have experienced the Spirit of God, does it influence our life? That we are changed because we are drinking deep of the Spirit. We are drinking deep of the living water that we live influenced by what we're putting inside of us. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to influence your life. And not just a little bit. He wants to introduce you to a different realm. I remember the first time I was drunk, because I used to do that, but, but B.C., right? And so I remember the first time I was ever drunk, uh, I drank uh, my brother's, I was a kid, I was like fifth grade or something, and we were just crazy, because our older brother was five years older, so we were jumping into everything he was jumping into. And uh, and so he says, uh, it gives me this, it was a Mickey's Big Mouth, if y'all know what that is, like malt liquor. And dude, I was like this kid, right? And so, you guys know what Mickey's Big Mouth is? And so like, I gave him this bottle, and he's like, I'll give you $5 if you could chug it. And I was like, okay, five dollars, man. That's a lot of video games for a fifth grader. And uh, you know, this is the eighties and and so I grab it, I chug it, and then like I'm just like in a different world. I'm like totally inebriated. And I remember asking this guy, I was like, bro, bro, am I dreaming? And he's like, yeah, man, you're dreaming. He's like smoking weed or something. And so I was like, okay. 
And so I go home, walk to my house a couple, a couple houses down, and my best friend Corky, who I grew up with, we, he, we had been drinking, like his mom, I know this is terrible, his mom bought us booze. I mean, good parenting, right? And so his mom bought us booze. And so he, he'd been drinking from the booze that his mama got. I drank a little bit of that, and then I drank this Mickey's Big Mouth. I go up, and he's like crawling in the front yard like, I mean, it was just weird. I mean, nothing, we were just like grade school kids. We were little kids. But listen, you, it influenced us heavily. It introduced us in a different well. I thought I was dreaming. Now, some of y'all learn to function when you're drunk. That's probably not a good, good uh, function for you. Probably learn to function with the, the reality from heaven. So when we are influenced by the Spirit, it allows us access to a different realm. Hold on with me today. Don't rot me off yet, all right? Okay, because I know it'll be easy. That's, that's BC, Josh Brown. Okay, so... Now listen, when we talk about being influenced by the Spirit, we do not take our cues from natural drunkenness. Are you with me? We're not saying you need to be all slobbering. Now if that happens, that's okay. But listen, that's what the natural wine does. We don't have less of a mind when we're filled with the Spirit. We actually have more of a mind when we're filled by the Spirit. It's not foolishness uh, driven by, you know, it's not foolishness. We, we actually are more driven by intelligence when we're filled by the Spirit of God. It's not like this sloppy agape type thing where it's just, oh, just, just the Spirit of God, so I just do everything sloppy and stupid. No, no, no. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you do things with excellence. That's what the Spirit that Daniel had, a Spirit of excellence. When you're filled by the Spirit of God, you have the mind of Christ. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, you know and you speak mysteries. Where Scripture wouldn't tell us uh, three times right here, 1 Peter 1, 13, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, and Romans 12, 3 says, be sober-minded. So the Spirit actually causes you to think clearer than stupider. Some people are like, they do stupid things and they blame it on the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit don't make you stupid. He makes you smarter. The mind of Christ. So we don't take our cues from natural drunkenness. That's called flaky. I'm not saying that there won't be some things that happen to you and you be messed up. Because I get in God's presence sometimes and I'm like, whoa, I'm in a different realm. But that doesn't remove my ability to function or my responsibility to act intelligent. How many know that intelligence is a gift? And, and so many times in charismatic circles, I'm charismatic, dude, I love all that stuff. But sometimes in charismatic circles, we kind of we put intelligence on the back burner. We should be the smartest people alive because the Spirit of God is in us. We shouldn't be less thinkers or drunk thinkers. We should be intelligent like Jesus. Now, we don't seek these. If these manifestations happen, boom, we're open to it. But we don't seek any kind of manifestation. We seek the manifestor. We seek the, the, the giver, not the gift. Oh, if I could just have this. No, 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 no. Just seek him, and he'll give you what you need. We talk about being spirit-filled. We're not talking about an event that happened. We're talking about a lifestyle that is driven by God's spirit. This is influence. And so to live under influence requires that our intake has to be continual. That our intake becomes, right, we call, what do we call people that drink all the time? We call alcoholics. What, what's another what's street, what street name for them? Drunks. Wino. We had a guy that used to work with us uh, when I worked in the oil field, and he was such a drunk. He was such an alcoholic that when he sweat, you would smell booze. I'm not, I'm not hating on him. I'm just saying he was, this was his lifestyle. He was a drunk. So if we are going to be 
influenced by the Spirit 100% of the time, then what we've got to do is our intake has to be continual. So how are we influenced? First of all, we're influenced by the things that we say. The things that we say are, are influenced. And listen, the way that we say it. Well, that's not what I said. Did you know that most of your communication is not even verbal? That's why a text message and Facebook message and emails aren't the best way to, to resolve conflict. Because you're reading words and you read tone into it. Well, they're mad at me, so they said this. Well, don't be foolish. The nice word today, foolish. Don't be that way. Call somebody. Get on the phone. Hear some tone. Get around them. Get some coffee together. It's called community. Now, you know that when we're in community with one another, we're going we're gonna to have issues come up with one another. Our, our rough edges are going to be exposed, and God's going to use one another to knock those rough edges off. And we're not going to get offended because we live in community. Because I'm a screw-up, and so are you most of the time. We are all jacked up. And so we need people to help us along. That's why God put us together. Not because we're better than anybody else. Okay, get back to the message here. So, how many of you have ever heard someone say, well, that's the booze talking, right? So sometimes when you're talking, it's the spirit talking. It's the things that you say. It's the way that you say. Man, when you say, I've heard that before a hundred times, but when you said it, it just did something to me. That's the spirit talking. We're called to be life givers. Listen, when you're filled by the spirit of God, you're not a life drainer. You're a life giver when you're filled with the spirit of God. When you speak, life comes forth. Why? Because you've got life pouring out of you. That's why Jesus said rivers of living water will pour out of you. And what we want to do is we just want rivers of water to come into me. Yeah, Lord, fill me with life. Fill me with life. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, I love you, Jesus. And we go out and we act like the devil, and we wonder why people hate church. Because you're not filled with the Spirit of God. You're filled with the Spirit of this age and selfishness and your own spirit of indulgement, not indulging in Him. So you need to quit dismissing your negativity, your criticalness, your pessimistic talk by your natural instinct because that's the way some of us are. I'm very critical naturally. But I'm filled with the Spirit of God. So I start functioning with what? The Spirit's instinct. The Spirit's mind. It affects the things that I say. When we talk, listen, I love uh, Colossians 4, 6. This isn't in your notes, but you can... Tap on your notes there and make a note. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Well, how is that possible? How is that possible that I can always be positive, that I can always bring life? How is that possible? By the Spirit of God. You're not that disciplined. You're not that good of a person, and neither am I. So I have the Spirit of God that helps me be a life giver. Romans 15, 13 says this. Listen, when we talk, we are full of hope. I got this shirt printed. I was, talked about this a few months ago. I, I uh, I had some friends that told me about this shirt, and they printed the shirt. And so when I was in El Paso a couple weeks ago, he gave me the shirt, and it says, Hope Inside. And I was just waiting for somebody to read it, like I'm walking around. Right? I want to show them there's hope inside, and maybe somebody will ask me about it. But listen, this way, listen, when you talk, it's full of hope. Not because you've had a good day. Not because your life has been perfect, but because you're filled with the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. It doesn't matter naturally what you're born into. What matters is what you were born again into. The second chance you were given. 
I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow, oh, overflow. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the, see what I did there? (laughs) Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you're like, I'm just negative, I'm just not that kind of person, great. Jesus, if, if Jesus wanted to leave you the same, he would have never got up on that cross and died for you. So stop excusing everything. That's just the way I am. That's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> you can say that too, but I'm not going to because I have the microphone. It's why hate on me. All right. Because that wouldn't be full of hope and I wouldn't be driven by the Spirit of God. Listen, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you don't need anything in your life but more of the Spirit to be positive. That's all you need. When are we going to devote our lives to stop being so self-centered and thinking about me and my needs and my problems and just flowing out of that garbage that's inside of me the way that I'm feeling and start being filled with the Spirit of God and speaking with grace and speaking with hope and speaking with with love and joy. You're a life giver because the life giver is in you. It's what you are now. You used to not be that way. I used to not be that way. But I I said, man, God, I love you. Fill me with your spirit. And now I just kind of, I get around people and I give them life. Not all the time, not like I should all the time, but that's my goal. And the Holy Spirit helps me to do that. And so, Leslie and I, we're life givers. You get, get around us, you're not going to hear us complain. In fact, people start getting, you know, complainers are drainers. And so, when we get around complaining, people are just like, oh. we've, we've had people get around us and complain, and we're like, like, after we leave, we're like, oh, Lord, I need another drink, right? It's like, we're just so drained. But, but, part, of, but part of being a life giver is those people are going to come to you for life. And so, we can't complain about them complaining. We just got to be a life giver. <sighs> Shut them down. All right. So it's the things that we say. It's the way we say it. It's our countenance, right? It's our body language. All right. Number two, the things that we do. Now, when we talk about the things that we we do, we're not just talking about good works. Now, listen, you can do good work. We're all going to do good works. We're all going to do bad works. You can do good works on your own. There's plenty of people who do good works without Jesus. Out of self-discipline, you can do good works. Even when you don't feel like it, you can do it because you, you're disciplined. That's the way you are. But listen, the things we do in the Spirit allows us to do supernatural works. Let me say this again. In the natural, you can do good works. But by the Spirit, you can do supernatural works. You're good because of the cross, but supernatural because of the Spirit. Oh, let me say that again. You're good because of the cross, but supernatural because of the Spirit. He put his super on your natural. Right? You got the natural, and then he put his super on your natural. And you can discipline yourself into good behavior, but we are talking about the manifestation of power. The The thing I love about the Holy Spirit is that he's the gift that keeps on giving. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's good today with him, and it's better tomorrow. And it's like, once you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that gift gives you gifts. Right? Have you ever got somebody to play a trick on you on Christmas, and you open up the gift, and inside the gift's another gift? You ever done that to anybody? 
And they open up that gift, and there's another gift inside there, right? You just keep opening them, there's gifts, gifts, and there's finally a little gift in there that's a real gift. Well, the Holy Spirit's kind of like that, the gift that can be, except for every gift you open, something's good in there, and then another gift in there. That gift contains a gift. So anyway, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read this. We're not going to talk a lot about it because of time, but I'm going to read this. These are, this is a list of supernatural spiritual gifts that are available to you. And I'll have a little commentary as we read it, and then we're going to move on here. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, now deal, blah, blah, blah. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. One translation says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. And the word spiritual gifts actually isn't spiritual gifts in the Greek. It's just spiritual. I don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritual. I don't want you to misunderstand the spiritual. You know that when you were still pagans, that means you were lost, B.C., right? You were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one will say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. These are the different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So these gifts are available to you. Well, they're just gifted with that. Well, they're also a gift for you. Sometimes you have to go after the gift. It's not, it's, it's not a gift necessarily to be given. The gift's already been given. It's a gift to be received. So position just tough to receive it. A spiritual gift is given to us so we can help each other. So God doesn't give you these spiritual gifts that we're about to talk about so you can go, oh, look at me. I have the gift to prophesy. I have the gift of faith. Look at me. Pay your offerings to WWW, right? It's not so you can be exalted, but so you can help each other. So God gives us these gifts so when we're discouraged, someone can come up and give us a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, and we can be encouraged. So the gifts are for the body to minister to one another. Um, so the person who has the Spirit gives ability, he gives wise advice. We call that the gift of wisdom. So someone comes to you and they're like, I don't know what to do, and you're able to tell them, and it's just like, bang, I never thought about that before. Whoa, that's a great idea, gift of wisdom, right, by the Spirit. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. We call this a word of knowledge. Uh, we had this happen uh, last week. A guy was in here. Um, who was really discouraged, and he used this certain vernacular whenever he talked about his discouragement, and a guy came up, Taylor came up to him, and I'm going to talk about the other guy, but Taylor went up to him, and he used the exact same vernacular the gentleman was using about being discouraged, and he had said those things, and Taylor came up with the exact same vernacular the guy needed to hear. What is that called? It's called word of knowledge. So he gave him the word of knowledge to confirm in him God had him on his mind. Okay, so we call it word of knowledge. By the same spirit, he gives great faith. We call that the gift of faith. Some people, man, they just have great faith. Like they're just able to believe God for stuff. And some of us, we're not there yet, right? We got faith. We're like believe, but we're like, uh, but our doubter works too good, right? Well, some people have a supernatural gift of faith where they're just like, God's going to take care of it. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I believe, but help my unbelief, right? That's, that's what we talk about. Great faith. Uh, to another, the same spirit gives a gift of healing. So we're all called to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. This is part of the Great Commission. However, some people just have a gift. They pray for people, they get healed. I got a headache. Boom, lay hands on them, they're healed. Right? I've got a finger missing. They pray for them, the finger comes out. Right? Gift of healing. Some people have that gift. That's the one I'm going after. I ain't got no insurance. Boring. Right? Whatever. Okay, so 
He gives one person the power to perform miracles. I mean, you know, I, there was a, a, a prophet that we used to, uh, used to come to our church in El Paso, and he'd say, how many know there's miracles, and then there's miracles? That's what he would say. And we, we, got, we know what we're talking about, like a baby being born, that's a miracle, right? And then there's like miracles, like his arm grew out, right? That's a miracle. And so the, the, get, the power to perform miracles to another, the ability to prophesy. Now, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that prophesy doesn't always necessarily mean predicting the future, right? Because uh, word of knowledge is a prophetic gift. Prophetic can just be speaking the heart of heaven. What is heaven saying? And so we have the ability to prophesy. And just because you prophesy doesn't mean you're a prophet. We're not talking about, we're not talking about offices. We're talking about gifts. Prophets prophesy, but not everybody prophesies are prophets. Or if that's the case, read the book of Acts chapter 2. They all started prophesying. It didn't say they'd all be prophets. It just said they'd all prophesy. Now, prophets came out of that. Okay? Y'all all right? All right. So he gives someone else the ability to discern. We call this the gift of discernment. So they're able to discern what's right, right and wrong. So when someone comes up and they're like, I got a word from God. And the guy's going, dude, that's just not from God. It's a gift of discernment. Right? Whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Oh, so other spirits can give words of knowledge too, right? And so we need good people with discernment. So when we are like functioning in this atmosphere, they can come in and say, well, you know, I'm not really sure. Maybe, uh, no. <laughs> right? Trying to be nice about it. Grace, grace, grace. No. <laughs> right. Okay. So um, still another person is giving the ability to speak in an unknown, unknown language. Now, this would be different that your prayer, than your prayer language that comes along with being baptized in the Holy Spirit, which we talked about if you want to read that in the podcast in your app um, commercial. And so there you go. And while another is the ability to to interpret what is being said. So someone is able to get a message in tongue, a message for everybody. Someone is able to give another gift of interpretation. It is, one, it is the one and only Spirit his, who distributes these gifts. Listen, as I read that, that's an invitation. What gift do you want? What gift do you have? If, you got, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, you probably got one of these gifts. It's just time for you to discover it. Well, how are you going to discover it? We'll just start trying out. You got a community around here that loves you that's going to allow you to, to get wrong sometimes and not call you a hypocrite. And so you can go and you say, all right, man, you got a, you got a headache? Let me pray for you. Let's see if I got the gift of healing. How you feeling? Oh, let's pray again. Let's see if I got the gift of healing. You're discouraged? Let's see if I got a word of wisdom for you. Oh, I don't. That's not my gift either. Right? So we have community to learn how to function in the gifts. Rather than just saying, oh, everybody gets it wrong all the time. A bunch of screw-ups, so let's just throw them out. That's what most churches have done. They say, well, we just don't operate that. Like, here, we do that in a home group when you're the only one there. Right? No, we're in community to learn to function properly. So the, the Holy Spirit influences the things that we do, the things that we say. Number two is indulgence. The Holy Spirit is for indulgence. Now, I've got a lot of content today because I'm trying to finish up this series. But listen, when we talk about indulgence, we're talking about gratification and fulfillment. Now, you don't get drunk, right, by drinking a glass of wine, right? What would you say, unless you're lightweight? It's okay, Mackenzie, speaking from experience. Just kidding. That would be a good thing. It would be a good thing if you're lightweight. I'd hate for you to be a heavyweight. That would mean that you developed a tolerance for it. That would not be good. Okay, so First Thessalonians, I'm sorry, uh, Ephesians, I'm going to go ahead and speak this, and we'll come back to it. Listen. Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk of wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. Why is it comparison that, comparing that? Because it's the same way. Like, you don't get drunk by drinking. You don't get filled with the Spirit by one encounter, but by continual encounter. 
It's like, hook up the IV, baby. Right? Let's just go. All right. Y'all okay today? Again, it's interesting that Jesus does his first miracle at a party. Why? Because Jesus likes enjoyment. The church is notorious for not being happy or being fake happy. But God wants you to be real happy, joy. God wants you to enjoy him. Listen, nothing fills his heart with joy like when our delight is in him. God loves to see us happy. God loves to see you smile. He loves for you to enjoy yourself. Indulgence. The problem comes in is whenever we try to start finding pleasure outside of him, outside of the things that he asks us not to do. That's when the problem comes in and we get jacked up, we screw up our heart, and then he doesn't become our delight anymore. And so that frustrates him. I believe the spirit frustrates the spirit of God. And I believe that that's how we hinder the spirit. Right? Okay. So what we do is we, uh, is we find our delight in him. And once we find our delight in him, then we live in delight. It's just so weird. Like once we find our joy in him and we make that the source of our joy, not circumstances are the source of our joy, but Jesus is the source of our joy. Our position in him is the source of our joy. His presence in our life is the source of our joy. Then our joy isn't shaken, even when we lose our job. Or even when your roommate makes you mad. You don't lose your joy. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is what the kingdom is. The kingdom is not about eating and drinking. You know, we'll go out to eat after service. We'll go eat. Uh The kingdom is not just about eating and drinking. You can eat and drink in the kingdom. The kingdom is about righteousness, your right standing with peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy, Holy Ghost, joy. So God wants you to be joyful. There's nothing spiritual about being miserable. We think, we, I, I was kind of, when I got saved, I was in a church like that. That thought, well, if you're miserable in serving God, then you get an extra badge for that. You get married. Oh, you're miserable. You're miserable serving God. Oh, you're really spiritual. That's not what I signed up for. And that's not what you signed up for. And that's not what Jesus died for and bled for and suffered for. He didn't, he didn't suffer so you could just be miserable. No, he suffered so in the midst of misery, misery you could be joyful. When misery comes to bring you down, that you can have joy. When discouragement is all around you, you can have joy. It isn't, it's not happiness because something happened. It's joy. Joy comes from the inside out. Happiness comes from the outside in. But when you're joyful, you can be happy. That's a good word. All right. So get your container ready. All right, we're going to talk about this. One of the things that Jesus did here at this wedding, as he said, all right, go get those jars. Now, these jars were used, you know, where we talked about the 120 to 180 gallons. These jars were used for ceremonial cleaning. They were, they were representing the law. The law could hold something that was lifeless. But when Jesus came, we love John chapter 1, verse 17, it says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. So, there's this container of the law that we tried to do everything in, but the, the wall can, the, 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 the jar can only hold the water. But when Jesus touches it, it transforms what, what's inside of it. So Jesus changed the capacity. We have a capacity. We are the container of the Spirit. If there's, a, if there's an indweller, there must be an indwellee. 
you're the indwelly. So what do you have to do? Number one, loosen up. You just got to loosen up. You got to stop being so uptight. Stop dismissing everything by the way that you are. It don't work like that. The Holy Spirit will take the edge off. Just like, just like people, you know, have a shot, take the edge off, right? The Holy Spirit will take the edge off a lot better. But he wants a container who is flexible. New wine speaks of innovation. Innovation. It means God's going to do new things in your life, things that have never happened before to you. Are you flexible enough to receive that? Are you all all right? I know y'all, I'm losing you all. I'm trying to finish up here. You've got to get out of the box of, that you were in yesterday. You've got to get out of the box of your understanding. Come on. You've got to be a little bit open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. If you're closed-minded, the Holy Spirit's not going to work for you. Jesus gave this illustration, Luke chapter uh, 5, verse 35. You guys can read it. He talks about wineskins. We had a series called Capacity earlier this year. We talked about uh, wineskins. The reason why that wineskins, it was so important, he said you don't put new wine in old wineskins. Right? Jesus is like, I'm, I'm changing the purpose of the law. I'm changing the purpose of these jars. These are, jars aren't there to just be a guideline. I'm actually giving you a new container. I'm, give, I'm, giving you, I'm reinventing everything. Right? The purpose of the law now is a schoolmaster to lead us, leads us to Christ. purpose of the law was ceremonial cleaning. And now it's just to lead us to greater encounters. And so when he talks about this new wine, what they do is they'd have like a skin which would be like the stomach or something of a cow, gross. And they would clean it, obviously, and they would put wine in it when it was brand new. But what would happen is once the wine ran out of the skin, whether it be leather or like a stomach of an animal, what would happen is it would dry up and they couldn't put wine in it. If they put wine in an old wine skin and were able to cover it up, it was all dried up. What would happen is when the wine began to ferment, because it has that active, the ability to be active and functioning inside there, what would happen is it began to ferment, it began to expand, and the skin would actually break. And so this is what happens in our life when we're not flexible. We're just like, this is the way I am. This is the way I am. And God puts his spirit in us, and he tries to do a good thing, and then we're broken all the time. Why the heck are you broken all the time? Because you're not flexible. Because you're not willing to go with the change. But let me tell you this, that the wine that goes in there is also the wine to restore it and make it new. So you get your wineskin, and you just get some wine in it, even if it's an old wineskin. And what he's going to do is he's going to make it new. He's going to give you a new wineskin, a new capacity to receive him in. But will you allow him to soften you up? Because he's going to expand. He's going to do new good, good things in you. He's going to do new things. But do you have the capacity to handle it? Stiffness stifles. Stiffness stifles the spirit of God. Number two. Drink deep. Drink deep. So be flexible. Number two, drink deep. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. We are all giving the one spirit to drink. Ephesians five eighteen. We said it a while ago. Do not be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Ephesians five eighteen again in the message translation. We read this last week. Do not drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God. Huge draughts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. So what does God want to do? Can I get somebody up? Whoever's doing the thing. What does it take? All of us. We've got to be flexible. 
We can say, God, man, what do you want to do in my life? Not, God, I want you to do this. This is what we do. We don't give God the open invitation. We sing a song. We give him permission. We don't do that. We're like, God, I want you to do this, 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 and this. And he comes in, and he fulfills those things, but nothing else happens. Because many times he does do the things because of his goodness and his love for you. He fulfills and meets needs. Sometimes those needs aren't met because it's not his heart. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says later. Come on. And so what you got to do is you just got to be loose. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? When was the last time? Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life? And when was the last time? When was the last time that you drank deep of the Spirit? That you didn't just live your life and try to fit Jesus into your schedule, but you said, you know what? I'm going to get in the presence of God, and I'm going to encounter Him today. This is what you've got to do. This is what drinking deep is. Drinking deep from God's will, from the Spirit, the new wine, means that you set aside some time to go after Him. That you set aside some time for Him to come in and soften you. If you don't do that, nothing will change. You want change in your life? Then start changing things. Start changing your schedule. Not not trying to fit Jesus into your schedule. Trying to fit your schedule around Jesus. Would this be the way that we live? Completely filled with the Spirit of God.